welcome to episode 105 of the Frontside Podcast. I'm Robert DeLuca, the director of open source here at the Frontside, and I'll be your episode host. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing automating GitHub with Probot with Brian Douglas and Bex Warner. I'm really excited about this topic. The idea of automating GitHub workflows with bots is amazing. Um, this is something that I've been wishing the GitHub have platform support for since I even started using GitHub for open source. Um, just being able to to have a bot take care of certain things, like uh, somebody doesn't leave enough of a PR description and they open a PR, you can have a bot that just responds to it saying, hey, can you provide some more information? It's pretty awesome. With me as co-host today is Charles Lowell, who is also a developer here at the front side. Hi, Charles. Hey, Robert. And uh, before we get into discussion, uh, I would like to make a tiny little announcement. Uh, we've been building a composable and immutable state container called uh, Microstates. I'm sure Charles can talk about this more at length than we will in the next podcast episode, um, 106. Uh, but I would like to make a small announcement that uh, Taras, who's an awesome developer here, um, just wrapped up a month's worth of work creating a new readme to describe like the vision of uh, Microstates and what you can do with them and everything about Microstates. Uh, if you're interested in that, I highly recommend um, checking out the README. I'll drop a link in the in the show notes for you that if you're interested. Yeah, uh, and if I could add, it really is it is worth a read because it isn't like any other state management solution out there. No, absolutely not. I've been building something with it in React Native over the weekend with Fourth of July, and it's amazing. <laughs> but enough about that. Uh, you'll hear about that next episode. For this episode, I want to talk about uh, Probot with. Uh, Brian and Bex. Hi, how you, how you two doing? I'm well. I'm good. Thanks for having us. No, thank you for joining. This is this is really exciting. I've, like I said in the intro, I've been really excited about this project. I, I do a good amount of open source, I would say, uh, and this has been really helpful in all of our repos. We have, uh, I think, like 78 open source repos on the front side, um, and we have, you know, microstates like we just talked about and big test. And all of those repos use some combination of probots that people have built. And it's really nice, especially with the new Checks API that has just come out. You can integrate probot into that, right? Yes. I actually am currently working on shifting one of our bots from using the commit statuses API to the Checks API. Ooh, that's awesome. So uh, before we go too deep into because I want to I want to come back to that because that sounds really cool. <laughs> uh, and like what the integration of that is like. And, you know, what changes, because uh, I'm not even really that familiar with it. I just know it was released. <laughs> um, yeah. But I kind of want to go from the beginning here. Where did Probot come from? And can we get like a little bit of a history for everybody that might not know what Probot is? Sure. So Probot originally started out as this simple idea to make GitHub scriptable. The original idea was you'd have a single file in your repository that would be like a JavaScript file, and it would essentially spell out how the bot would act on your repository. And the goal was to make GitHub apps accessible to people, because if you've ever looked through our GitHub app documentation, I think that it can be a little tough to get started. And there's honestly a lot of nonsense that you have to go through in order to get set up. For one thing, the way our GitHub app authentication works is it requires a JSON web token followed by using that JSON web token to request an installation access token. And that process Ooh. can be really tough for new people to just get started. 
So yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. So ProBot was created to abstract all of that away and handle all of that authentication automatically and simply leave you with the payload that you get from listening on webhook events and an authenticated GitHub client to make authenticated API requests while authenticated as an app. Cool. So then that's where it started as like a, a flat JavaScript file in the root. But today you use like uh, YAML files in the .github folder. How did that kind of progress? Yeah, so originally the use case was much simpler and it quickly became clear that a single JavaScript file in the GitHub repo was not scriptable enough and not you know, easy enough to understand. The goal was to make like an API that could make that JavaScript file really, really easy to customize for like every API of GitHub. And it quickly became clear that that was not really a feasible thing to do. So as time went on, it turned into this way to build Node.js applications. And essentially what the configuration files you're referring to are the way in which we make it customizable. Because right now there's no way through the officially supported GitHub app channels to pass secrets between your users and the owners of the GitHub apps. So that was just a way to kind of solve that problem. Gotcha. Okay. So the actual code for a GitHub app still lives in like a Node.js module, basically. And the configuration file just specifies how that module runs. Right. So they're deployed to like Heroku instances, if you want, right? Like anywhere you can host a Node app. Heroku now. Yeah. Yeah. As of recent, too, there are some explorations of like doing like serverless deployments for ProBot. I think there's a couple issues open. I'm not sure if anybody's shipped anything to like a Lambda yet, but I think that's pretty much yeah, possible we, too. We actually just a week ago even released a new version in which we update our core from Node.js to TypeScript. And now that things are typed, we have big plans for serverless. Nice. That's awesome. So then you just be able to deploy to like a, a Lambda and, and you're off exactly. to the races. <laughs> so, so can I actually interject here as kind of the person who doesn't really know kind of the relationship between GitHub apps and like the GitHub marketplace and what exactly a ProBot is before we, you know, we heard kind of like the origin story, but I would love to hear like a very high level view of how this ecosystem fits together. So I think a lot of people are pretty familiar with like interacting with the GitHub API and like OAuth mm-hmm. integrations. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I've spent a lot of times uh, a different companies previously to GitHub of this like making calls either to curl or through like Node.js or more recently Octokit. So GitHub apps itself are a way to take all the things that you have to do to make an integration to GitHub uh, much easier. Uh, And it has a lot of cool things like OAuth scoping. So like you no longer have to ask for all your repo access whenever someone logs in with GitHub. And the connection between like now we've gotten from OAuth to now GitHub apps, there was a lot of like as Bex mentioned earlier, there's a lot of like ceremony that happens to getting set up with GitHub apps and integrations that ProBot is like this tool to sort of speed up the process of getting to the point where you just want to script um, some sort of automation or some sort of workflow. Uh, and it gives you all that bullet plate for you. So I don't know if that was like a good like high level for you, Charles. Yeah, well, I mean, so like, you know, I've kind of witnessed this secondhand uh, with Robert installing a bunch of, of things here. So let's use like an example, like you did some sort of automation on our repos, uh, Robert, where when someone files a ticket, there's this workflow that automatically adds a triage label so that we know that this thing hasn't even been dealt with. And so like, we at least need to address that issue and find out, does it need to be, is it high priority? Does it need to be closed as a duplicate? 
something. So what are the, 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 the different aspects that you described there? How do they fit in in, like in, in, in terms of serving this workflow uh, to the end user? Or is that a good example even? Yeah. So like, well, the cool thing about GitHub apps and like what ProBot does for you is that normally if you wanted to add a label to an issue, either you, Charles or Robert would have to be admin or, or a maintainer on the team for the front side. And like you could add labels, but somebody who opens up an issue doesn't have that ability to have right access to your your content, which is adding mm -hmm. a label. What a GitHub app does, it actually takes a spot as if you would have another user on your platform. Instead of like creating a, a dummy account or a dummy user, ProBot is basically building a bot for you to then give you the ability to add that issue. So that sort of workflow that normally would have to happen through like an actual real human can now happen through a bot without taking up a spot of like, I guess I probably shouldn't be uh, being so speak so ignorant about our, our platform and what you actually pay for nowadays for GitHub. Uh, <laughs> but I know we used to have like a limited amount of seats uh, per organization. Like that seat no longer is now taken up and now could be just be used. A bot could do something that normally a mm -hmm. seat would take. Right, do. right. You no longer have to create a user to do these things. Right. Correct. Apps are first class actors within GitHub. So, I mean, it's sort of built in a way that apps can take, have a lot of power in your repositories. And so then what is the relationship between ProBot and an app? So ProBot is essentially the framework for building an app. Um, you can definitely make the equivalent of any ProBot app outside of ProBot. It's just it abstracts away all of the basically horrible parts and leaves you with <laughs> all of the easy parts. Okay, now... I think I'm ready to like participate in this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect, though. That's a great intro because I actually didn't didn't have a, a total grasp or understanding of like the relationship between GitHub apps and ProBots. Um, yeah. So that's that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Additionally, going back a second, you mentioned the marketplace before. Um, one thing to note that is that there actually are several ProBot apps on the marketplace right now. So the marketplace is essentially the home for any larger, like usually third party companies that have made apps. And ProBot is essentially supporting some of those. Interesting. So then my question would then be, do you know of anybody selling their ProBots? Is, is, does the marketplace charge? I'm going to assume it does, yes. right? Okay. Is there anybody they're, charging for the ProBot? <laughs> Yes, there is a, quite a few, in fact, charging for it. Uh, recently, a pretty popular example is the GitHub Slack integration, which is like if you open new issues, you can have them appear in your Slack channel. That whole application was recently rewritten by GitHub. It was previously owned by Slack, and that was built on top of ProBot. Okay, and I actually remember uh, I, we upgraded um, to that version. It's actually way, way, way better. <laughs> so, I'm glad you feel that way. I had no idea. I didn't know the story behind there. I was just like, oh, I just got a lot of awesome, you know, although I don't yeah. remember costing anything. Yeah, I think that integration is actually free. So that wasn't the best example, but I think it's free for like open source projects at the very least. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, so Brandon, one of the maintainers for the Slack integration that works at GitHub also did a really cool talk at the Slack dev conference a couple weeks ago. So if you're interested in like more of the behind the scenes, like that, that integration is all open source as well. So yeah. if you have like requests or you have features that you would love to add to the Slack integration, um, you can pop into the repo that hopefully will show up in the show notes because I'm not sure if it's like GitHub slash Slack, but I guess we'll find that out in the show notes later on. It's integration um, slash Slack. Integration slash Slack. But for an example of like a paid app of a non-third party, like we're not talking like Travis or Circle or another one of the, the big names. 
but rather a solo dev created its uh, pull reminders, which is on the marketplace as of today. And essentially, this gives you reminders of your pull request. So you can actually just like ping like inside the comments and like tell pull reminders to say, hey, tell me about this pull request like next week because it's Friday and I don't have time to look at this. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. I've also seen one that's kind of related uh, that is like you can set your out of office uh, on yeah. GitHub, <laughs> which is actually kind of a neat concept. Was that the you one where they were changing the profile photos to have the overlay? Or the one where it was just sure. auto-replying to messages? Because I've seen a couple of variations. Okay, okay. Also, oh, it really can be like an agent, like, uh, so it can change your, like, your profile pictures and, like, I mean, it really is, like, not just related to repo and, like, history-related activities, but everything. So anything that you can access via the GitHub API, you can almost access via GitHub apps. There's a list of endpoints that are specifically enabled for GitHub apps because there's some things such as, like, delete a repository that they're basically very few circumstances under which you want to give that permission to an app. <laughs> and so, and also things very specific to like your profile or your personal page. So about a year ago, there was an official internal audit of all of the API endpoints because there were lots of inconsistencies over what was and what wasn't enabled for GitHub apps. So they went through and kind of decided what endpoints should be enabled and what endpoints actually get enabled. And so now that list is much longer than it was a year ago. So now it's much more comprehensive. Ooh, that's awesome. And th is this for uh, the REST API and the GraphQL API? Yeah, so Probot does support both. Um, the REST API is the one that specifically had all of these endpoints audited, while as the GraphQL, since it's a bit newer, I've it, we've sort of built those in more. Cool. Yeah, that's I like. I really like working with the GraphQL API um, with GitHub. It makes it easier than trying to do a bunch of REST calls. <laughs> yeah, and there's a community forum. It's like a Discord forum that the API team actually manages and sort of pipes in there. Uh, so to, again, going up back onto like, if there's not something in the Slack integration that you don't you would like to have, the forum that community actually is there. If there's something not in the GraphQL API that you would like to see, like no promises on shipping it like within a, a X amount of time. But if enough people are requesting it, obviously, there's going to be some sort of resources putting towards that. Oh, what do you mean? We're doing open source. It has to be done yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and that form is a platform.github.community, which is the URL to get there. Awesome. That'll be helpful to look through um, and, and get some recommendations in there. One of my favorite things I was going to say about the new integration for Slack and GitHub is the fact that I can highlight line numbers, paste that link in, and then it just expands it in the, in the chat in Slack. That is so nice. And I use it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I love that they built that feature. It's actually the original feature that was built on GitHub to allow those line expansions in the first place, like on GitHub itself, was actually built last summer by some um, folks who were also a part of my intern class at GitHub last year. Hey, intern power. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone there is doing amazing work. I'm also following along uh, with uh, somebody that is also an intern um, that's building a weekly digest program. Oh, yeah. Um, that's actually a Google Summer of Code student. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, being sponsored through Google Summer of Code by Probot is an open source org. Ooh, is there anything uh, more to unpack there? That sounds really interesting. 
So essentially, we submitted an application for Google Summer of Code because we thought it'd be a cool way to get, you know, more people, more students, a mentorship opportunity for, you know, the maintainers team, basically. And we were honestly overwhelmed. We got like almost 100 applications and it ended up being a huge ordeal. But we're really happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good problem. Um, But we were really happy. We initially wanted to accept more students, but Google limited us to only two students. So we have two Google Summer of Code students working on projects and one team of women from Rails Girls Summer of Code working on ProBot. Ooh, that'll be awesome. What are they working on? Um, I'm not sure yet. They actually just started a couple of days ago. But the other Google of Summer, Summer of Code student is working on a background checks API to essentially do sentiment analysis of comment history of someone new to your repository. Oh, that's interesting. Will they, that sounds like there will be some machine learning in there. Or am I just throwing around buzzwords? <laughs> I Most likely, I think they're just using some sentiment analysis API, like the perspective API. I don't think they're actually uh, doing that themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I actually, I have a couple questions. Back on the, the, the subject of like uh, the ProBot. So how does this square with kind of the, the classic mode of integration? Because there was a lot out there. I think I, the first one that I remember, like that just stuck in my mind was like Travis. Right. And I feel like I don't know if there was like there had to be like there was a like a special relationship between the Travis developers and like the GitHub developers that like we was able to make that integration happen like, you know, so many years ago. Like, I don't know how that happened. I just remember it popped up and I was like, whoa, this is like incredible. And like we've seen kind of the integrations get like more and more rich, like for someone who's got like you mentioned a couple of the big names is the idea that eventually those would be able to be completely supported as as GitHub apps. Or is it they're always going to be kind of a separate track for kind of the, the, the really like deep integrations? I wasn't around for when Travis first integrated with, with GitHub. And I think that's a really cool like integration. And I know they have like a, a very nice sized team that's able to do that. I think with like if we zoom back out with like ProBot, the way to get started with ProBot is that we have the CLI command, which is like create ProBot app. Uh, I believe it was intentionally like copied off of like create React app. And the cool thing about like Create React App and Create ProBot App is that they abstract all the ceremony and boilerplate to get started um, really quickly. So mm-hmm. us as like solo developers or smaller teams can mm-hmm. get started with like integrating with GitHub apps. I highly doubt that Travis is going to rewrite their entire application with something like Create ProBot App, but they're prob- they're definitely going to be moving towards like the new API calls with, with the GitHub app. So like part of the checks API that we had uh, launched uh, at the end of May. Uh, Travis had a blog post about how their integration with the Checks API worked. So they're like, they're making, though they have a lot of le- legacy endpoints and a lot of legacy integrations uh, in the way they integrate with GitHub, like they are actively moving towards a GitHub app. I don't know if I could actually comment on their status of where they are today, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, but actively, like we want all new new apps and new integrations to follow the model of being a GitHub app. So that way, out of the box, you have access to all the newer features. You have all the, access to all the newer like, GraphQL endpoints if you want to use GraphQL. And that way, we can serve one market as opposed to everybody who had a GitHub integration from like five, six years ago that was all piecemealed together and like sort of duct taped. Like we right, want to move away like from duct taping everything together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. So I do. Th- I definitely agree that I don't think Travis is going to switch to using Probot anytime soon. And 
I don't think most of the larger companies will be doing it, but I do think there will be a shift towards GitHub apps in general. And for those companies that don't already have like the buildings of a GitHub app started, I think that ProBot could be a contender for some of them. Yeah. And I think on, in addition to that too, like, so Travis and Circle and all the CI like integrations, they're doing a really good job. I think what the cool thing about GitHub apps is once you take away all that ceremony of like getting your checks to work, now we can start opening up the door of like, what's the next sort of CI CD thing? Like there's another term or another, I guess, category of applications that can now be built uh, right. to improve GitHub without yeah, having I, like the huge teams. I think that's actually, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one, that's the, the most amazing thing about having a great platform. Is it like the apps that you don't foresee, like they just come completely out of left field. You're like, whoa, like, I can't believe that's actually a possibility now. And I'm wondering, have you already started to see some of those, like some ProBots or GitHub apps that you were like, man, I didn't see that coming. That's awesome. A hundred percent. I think it's yeah. the most exciting part of ProBot because I think GitHub as a platform, I mean, you know, we all know GitHub is like the largest developer platform in the world. And I think the idea that developers can build on top of this platform is the most exciting idea right now. And I have honestly already seen apps that really excite me. The other day I saw this app that was definitely not near completion, but it was essentially updating an issue comment box over and over and taking response through like checking a box and then like listening on that comment edit in order to specify your coffee order. Whoa. (laughs) So it was like, do you want an iced coffee or a regular? Do you want milk or sugar or cream? And it was go one at a time. And like, you know, it didn't actually order you your coffee at the end, but it was super exciting to watch that (laughs) use of editing a comment. Like I'd never seen that before. That's pretty slick, and that's taking the the that API pretty far. I'm sure there was some parsing in there on each webhook response to like, was yes. this box edited or not? Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm actually this is actually now that I, we're having this discussion, this is kind of like changing my mind a little bit. Like, Robin, uh, Robert, and I were actually talking yesterday about doing, uh, you know, trying to standardize on our release management, um, and we, you know, our plan was basically to have some software that was going to run inside of our uh, CI provider. Um, and have kind of a shared library, just a little NPM package that was shared by all of our repos. Um, but I mean, I'm thinking now, man, we should really explore doing this as a uh, as a GitHub app. Yes, please. Yeah. I've had I have three three ideas that I really want to build out as a probot, <laughs> and I'm just going to list them off, and then we can build them all together and, and take equity and, and you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but uh, the two that like really excite me that I kind of want to do is um, one concept that we work on this open source project for our clients. And um, if somebody from the outside that doesn't have commit bits uh, to be able to push to master, it would be really cool if we had a probot that after it had an approve on the PR from a maintainer, that the person that opened the PR could then tell a probot, say, hey, this is approved by somebody that manages this project, can we merge? And then the probot would then actually merge. I don't know if that's possible, but that's something that I've definitely wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, which is less cool, um, would just be have, like we have a couple branches on some of our projects that we want to continue as, we're not ready to put it into master, but we want to continuously run the test we did against it. Um, so the, the idea there would be to have a probot that would watch for changes on master and rebase as needed and continue to run the test suite to see where you're at. 
those are the two things that I'm really excited about to do uh, with Probot. But I just want to automate everything with GitHub now. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, think that first idea was actually pretty viable. I'm curious to know, like, how you actually get those commit links. Is that what you called it? Uh, commit bits. I'm more of like, uh, like commit permissions, I just guess. Mean, yeah, push, oh, push oh I see. So yeah, the idea yeah, like, is you want an to outside contributor. Yeah, we want to push responsibility to like the the you know the person who's the maintainer can approve it. But we real we actually the way we do it uh, at front side is you know the person who actually is making the change uh, is responsible for merging it. So once you get an approval, you know you still have to hit the go button, um, and that just kind of makes sure that you know you're you're taking responsibility for saying it's you know it's done. But that doesn't work for open source because you can't just People coming off the internet aren't going to have the right to push, but we would like to give it to them, maybe via uh, an app, if there is a maintainer who's approved it. Yeah, that's definitely something you can do. I've seen quite a few apps that um, essentially add outside collaborators to the repo or like, are you familiar with like the, I forgot what it's called, like the all contributors section where you cite everyone in your repo readme mm. who's worked on it. Yeah, there was right. a GitHub app that like would add someone automatically after mm. they merged their first change. That's awesome. I think I may have seen that on um, React State Museum, but I'm not sure. Mm. Which is, uh, it, it's a repo that we've contributed to and it has the, the all contributors at the bottom. Um, and it seemingly just kind of popped up there. <laughs> so there's there's an app that uh, I wanted to mention too that I'm pretty excited about. That it sounds trivial too, and it's a little almost similar, not similar, but it's so, sort of related to like what you were talking about, Rob, with your first uh, app, which is the WIT, the WIP bot, which is the work in progress bot. Yes. Um, like this is a pattern of like whenever I open a PR and I'm like not ready for a merge but uh, I want to share my code so I can get feedback earlier on. Uh, I'll type in like WIP to like append to my title of my, my PR. Um, so what this uh, engineer did was every time you do WIP, it's going to go into the GitHub API and actually block the PR from merging. Right. Uh, which is like a feature available to GitHub. Like it's nested like in your settings. But the cool thing about this yeah. is that it actually blocks the PR from merging. So you don't have to worry about getting your sort of like show and tell code merged in the master without re being ready. That's one of the first bots that I installed on all mm -hmm. of our repos. Um, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't always have the ability to block the PR from being merged, but with the new checks API, that was something that was introduced. Not exactly. So the way that the blocking of merging works is if you set it as a required status, so you can install any sort of CI on your account and have it not be required and ignore it whenever you feel like it. So it's really up to you to make it required. Otherwise, it just is a check. And that's true for anyone who uses the statuses or the checks API. Okay, so it's a statuses API. Okay, sorry. Yes. Uh, that that also, um, the, the cool thing about that um, that I noticed when that was rolled out was I was now able to pick and choose. We use workflows on Circle CI. And each workflow is broken out as a different uh, status check. And I now require like linting and the build and the tests have to pass for these browsers before the it can merge, um, which is really cool to be able to pick and choose. Yeah. No, it's awesome. And I mean, I know personally on some of my repos, I have a few checks that I just don't require because I know I won't ever make them pass. <laughs> <sighs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, speaking specifically about the work in progress bot, um, we, we actually, do you know how that works? It's open source, so I, I'm sure I can go look. I think we want to go make a PR. Well, we had some back and forth about this, Charles. I actually, uh, this Charles is a point where we disagree. <laughs> I, yes. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> Charles had opened a PR, and one of his first commits in the PR had work in progress, and the title had work in progress, um, and we have this, this ProBot on our, our website, and it was a blog post. And, you know, you make a couple more commits, and you're, you're further down, you remove work in progress from the title, but the PR was still blocked because the first commit on the PR had work in progress in it. I think if it's the most recent commit or if it's in your PR title with work in progress, it should block, but otherwise should not. And Charles feels differently. <laughs> because it was, yeah, the first, the very, I had about six commits and the very first one had, had whip in the title uh, or in the, in the commit message and it blocked the whole thing. But I, I kind of felt like it actually made me go back and I had to, I um, squashed it down to, I think, two commits um, because I feel, you know, I actually kind of feel that, your commit history should tell the story of the development, not like the, it shouldn't be like a, a an absolute one-to-one -one journal of what happened, but like what you were ah. intending. And so I actually felt like it helped me out uh, because it took kind of these six, uh, this six commits that were kind of all over the place and, you know, just, you know, uh, kind of slapdash together and made me kind of go back, rethink it and tell a coherent story. So I think it did me a service, but it was, it was, it was, I had it was not obvious. I'll definitely I'll definitely agree with that. That it was I was like, why? Why are you still blocking my <laughs> yeah. do I really have words? to use admin privileges? <laughs> so yeah, I will yeah. say I am friends with the creator of the Whip app. His name is Gregor Mantis, and he has actually got a huge work in progress PR shifting work in progress over to using the checks API. And one of the features that he's using with the checks API is essentially this mark as not work in progress button that will add this special like line, like feel free to merge or something like that into your original PR description at the bottom. And if that is there, the work in progress app will no longer be blocking. So it's essentially like a hard override. And honestly, that's the power of the checks API versus the statuses API. So that's, that's awesome. really exciting. Yeah, because I have seen uh, the work in progress bot get into a weird state where like I did remove the work in progress from the title, but it didn't quite update and I'm still blocked. It's okay for me because I have admin privileges, but mm -hmm. other people on the team, maybe not. And they might be blocked from something that's not actually work in progress. <laughs> so that, like that hard override will be probably pretty helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes there's some confusion with that just because of the way what perks work on GitHub and the way our pages are rendered that like you may need to refresh mm -hmm. the page before you actually see it take effect. So, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Overall, though, I, I love that bot. Like I, I go weekly, uh, probably to the ProBot apps listing and just go shopping. And see wow. I'm actually the person who um, approves all of the ProBot apps to the listing, so that that's pretty motivating there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. I, I, I'm not even joking when I say shopping. I go through and I open up a bunch of tabs. I read through them. Ooh, this could be useful. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> the first app you mentioned, which was like the one that requests more info, was actually one that I built. So that was kind of funny. I guess you got that from the ProBot app store, too. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, that one we definitely use on uh, on a couple of our organizations and repos. Um, 
it has yelled at me a couple of times because I'll just <laughs> up a blank PR. <laughs> it yells at me all the time. I think I get yelled at more than like people who are actually doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like, I'm a little embarrassed. Like, oh, I should do better. I need to yeah. set an example. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. So I'm curious what both of your favorite ProBot app is. This ought to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So my the app that I'm really impressed with so far uh, that I actually only use on like a junk project at the moment uh, is the Weekly Digest one, and it's mainly because I built something for this at my previous role uh, at the company, uh, but never shipped it, which was basically go through every single uh, repo because uh, I worked at a company called Netlify pre- previously. And we had way too many repos to maintain, or sorry, them to keep track of. And mm-hmm. I was fur- I was moving further and further away from the back end at that time, so I wasn't able to keep up to date with what was changing. So I built like a lambda to like watch webhooks and then give me a digest of what was shipped, like issues and PRs closed. It was way over engineered, and I never actually shipped it to like actually make it work. But then like the weekly digesting came out like uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, and it blew me away because I was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. And I was trying to make it overly complicated through like a Lambda and like a bunch of webhooks. And this person within only a few weeks has like the the scaffolding of what I needed. Uh, so that's the one thing I, I'm pretty excited about. And it was already mentioned earlier too as well. Yeah, I guess I would say one of my favorite ones is the Unfurl Links app. I think that that one is just like so simple, but so nice. Not like, I don't know, I think having like that unfurl link preview is just beautiful and i mean essentially what it does is it listens on comment issue comment creation or pull request comment creation or issues or pull requests or whatever and you know reads through the text of whatever was in that issue or pull request and looks for links and then essentially unfurls them so that you can get a really nice preview of what you're going to and i just think that's really beautiful and just so simple (laughs) Yeah, I love that one too. I have that added to all of our, our repos. <laughs> yeah, it's just so much nicer. Why would you not unfurl your links when you could unfurl your links? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I actually have a question, um, and I think it's been touched on probably at least twice throughout the conversation is, okay, so I want to actually create a ProBot. How do I actually go about deploying it? What does that look like? What does it look like to deploy and maintain it? So we have a page on our docs about deployment and essentially the TLDR is you can deploy it on any normal like cloud hosting service that you would want to deploy it. There are a few things you need to specify. So for example, GitHub gives you a private key that you need to create your JWT. And so that private key needs to be passed into your hosting service. However you do that. And then there's like a few other bits of information that need to be passed in, but other than that, I mean, we have pretty intense stocks about it. It's I honestly am not a deployment person. I usually let try to let other people do that. And I have never had a problem going through our docs and just getting it working immediately. So Yeah, and it's also mentioned that there's uh, examples for like Heroku and Now and a couple other ones. Uh, so if you have a service that you already like, uh, it's possible to already in the docs of like steps to how to get that deployed. Yep. And any other services are more than welcome to be added to the docs. Mm-hmm. Pull requests welcome. Sweet. It sounds like we need to set up a hack day to create a ProBot, Charles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seriously, I've got the now I'm, my my mind is brewing. <laughs> 
I guess it's not directly related to GraphQL, but there's something that I've always wanted to build. Um, so for prior history to everybody on, on the call uh, and the podcast, Brian and I used to work at a company called Isaiah. And one of the things that we built and I worked on uh, a lot was like we would create uh, or collect metrics on people's um, social accounts that they connected um, and do that and graph it over time. And one of the things like this idea came from when I was building out that feature all the way back in like 2013. I want to graph the change in GitHub stars. Is there an API available for me to see like weekly GitHub stars or is that something that I still have to like manually like store and track? So there's definitely an API endpoint to get the amount of stars. And I don't see why you couldn't just do that on a weekly basis and compare. But I don't think there's any like track the change API. Gotcha. Like a history of it. Because I do see yeah. uh, and and I could do this um, by just like stealing and looking at what um, the weekly uh, digest robot is doing because there is a change in stars section in there. I was just curious if that was now like an API that was available. Yeah, that's more than likely. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no without looking at all the reference documentation. I think uh, as far as that data, it'd be something you'd probably have to collect on your own. But it's also a good candidate for like a GitHub app where you build a service that you could actually track stars once you've installed it. And then if you wanted to monetize it, you could actually pay for private repo or whatever stuff like that if you wanted to. Um but yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity for to see this in like the, the GitHub app slash probot listings. Um, yeah, I actually yeah. just looked this up really quick in our docs because I was curious. But apparently you can receive star creation timestamps. So that could be doable through timestamp usage. But Oh, and then just like kind of loop through back and, and build your graph yeah. on there. Interesting. All right. Yeah, well, throw away that, all the work I was going to do today. Yeah. <laughs> no. But what I think is exciting about the weekly digest and then what you could extract from that into stargazing is the probot scheduler, which is essentially this little probot extension we made that triggers like a webhook on like a scheduled time period. Because right now the way GitHub apps worked are, works are so centered around webhooks, it can be difficult to like find a way to trigger an action on something outside of a web webhook, like on a scheduled basis. Ah, yeah, that would be really helpful. I could definitely see how that would um, be a problem if it's very, very central to like reacting to, to webhooks and events that happen on the system. Exactly. Like so, you're just hoping that somebody comes through and creates an event at a specific time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can I ask a question about, it's a, it's, I would, well, it's definitely on topic of extending uh, GitHub, um, but kind of just a question about where the the, the line is between like um, what you what you can and cannot extend. So, like you mentioned, uh, for example, in the rewrite of the WhipBot, uh, being able to throw up a big button that says "override this merge," and you know, um, are there any plans to be able to actually extend the UI um, and and uh, in novel ways? Um, so everything that right now is happening with API calls with, I assume, UI elements that are related to, you know, but but the, the UI elements are static. Um, and so if, if someone wants to put, um, you know, a novel piece of UI, I like that button, that's going to require an extension uh, of, you know, the GitHub UI um, by the by the kind of, by GitHub itself. Uh, are there any plans to be able to, 
and I know those are dangerous waters, but but be able to um, perhaps in a limited fashion at first, but maybe maybe more so, be able to add you know different inter like interactions. Yes, to the and I think. Application. I think this is actually the most exciting future of GitHub as a platform. So in the past, GitHub APIs have only specifically supported things that you can do through um, the command line or you can do through GitHub's UI itself. The Checks API introduced the very first not integration specific UI element, essentially, Mm -hmm. And the merge button that I was referring to in WIP is exactly that. It's essentially this button that you can change the text of it to be whatever you want. And you can listen on that action. And then you can do as an integration or an app anything that you want based on that. And I think that that's the most exciting direction for GitHub. Because if you look at Slack, Slack's a platform that has sort of really impressive integrations in that response. And that, you know, your your apps on Slack can really do all of these things, use custom UI elements. And so I think that's the most exciting feature for GitHub as a platform is all of this customization and giving the power to the apps. Yeah, that sounds an, like an awesome way to be able to extend GitHub without having mm -hmm. to try and throw the feature onto the GitHub developers. <laughs> exactly. And I, I feel like a lot of the struggle right now is that there aren't these nice ways of communicating via apps because I see a lot of apps and bots end up just commenting on issues and pull requests and taking up like a ton of screen mm -hmm. real estate as a result. And I just think that that's not the way that bots should ideally interact with the GitHub platform. They should have their own space to exist. And that's right. the future I'm most excited for. Yeah, I mean, there's just, Ooh. I could think of having like progress bars for your CI checks and uh, your various deployments. And oh, it's exciting. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that's that's definitely the the response I was hoping to hear. Yeah, <laughs> we're excited for it too. Yeah, that it, like basically, I mean, you all have a massive community of a bunch of developers that want to do this <laughs> and are willing to get their hands dirty on it. Um, so, like enabling that that community is probably, I mean, the root of what all Probot is about. So that's that's super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a good place to end because, gosh, it's got to be so exciting to have like the millions of developers like on the planet just, uh, you know, ready to like surge into the APIs that you're developing. One thing to add to that, too, about the whole million developers, like there's like a number that's been thrown out from Stack Overflow and also some other people saying like there's 15 million developers, there's 24 million developers. Like as far as GitHub's like our public user number is like 28 million. Uh, mm -hmm. The cool thing about like ProBot and GitHub apps is that there's a good chance that all those people that are using GitHub today are not actually developers, they're like PMs or designers. Uh, and what's really cool about this, like having interactions with the GitHub platform in this way is that you can now enable all the non-developers to be able to interact with your GitHub repos and start bringing more designers and PMs onto the GitHub platform to interact with developers going that forward. That is an interesting point. That is... That is awesome. And that's something that I'm always looking for is different ways to collaborate with non-developers on my team. Um, because, I don't know, developers tend to think everything's always centered around code, but it's not. <laughs> to ship things that work and are awesome needs a lot of collaboration from non-devs uh, and non-dev yeah. skills. So that's really that, that would be really interesting to see. I'm excited for that to play out. Yeah, there's a, there... uh, a blog post that was published uh, a month ago, I think, about... Um, where the design team, design systems teams rather, 
built an integration to Figma to update their icons uh, effectively. So I just posted that in the, the actual chat to look into. But they also built this as a, a ProBot app as well. That is awesome. Yeah, that one was super exciting. It was kind of like it would have the app comment the diff between like what the old icon versus what the new icon looked like. And it's just such a beautiful design change mm-hmm. to be able to see that shift. Man, that I'm happy. I'm happy that this is happening. The future seems super bright. Um, is there any way uh, or where can we direct people to get resources, to contribute, to get involved and, and you know, start really going at this? Um, basically, probot.github.io has all of the probot stuff. Um, slash apps has all of the listings for apps you can install today. Slash docs is where the docs are if you want to get started. And, you know, hopefully from there we link out to, you know, the necessary things that you need to do. That's yeah, awesome. and I also, also want to mention, too, the uh, probot Slack channel. Um, there's a Slack channel as well, and they do a weekly call. I think it's weekly or biweekly uh, call to actually chat with like the ProBot community. So if you have questions, you can actually yeah. bring your questions mm. to the team. Um, yeah, we call it like office a- hours, and it's once a week, and it's under our community page where we also have a link to our Slack. We have a link to another podcast we run, and you know, just basically how to get involved in the ProBot community. Ooh, those are really helpful resources. I do remember seeing the office hours. It's on Thursdays, right? Yes. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna drop in for one, and then um, I actually forgot. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, it might be going on as we talk right now on this podcast, right? It might. Be. It starts in half an hour, I think. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you, Brian and Bex, for having a conversation about uh, ProBot. This is really awesome. Um, is there anything uh, that you would like to plug for yourselves, uh, how people can get in contact with you? Yeah, I am BWO on Twitter. So everything you need to know about me is there. And uh, I am happy to say hello. Uh, I'm also helping with the GitHub developer program, which is um, sort of getting like a, a soon to be announced rebranding. Uh, so if you go to developer.github.com slash program and you want to have more conversations about the API and GitHub apps on the GitHub side, uh, you can go there to sign up. And I am, hi, I'm Bexo. That's H-I-I-M-B-E-X-O on Twitter. You know, you can ping me in any ProBot stuff. I'd be happy to look at any ProBot code. I've been looking at it for a while now, so happy to do that. Ooh, that's awesome. Thank you all for having a conversation with us. This was really fun. I'm so excited about everything you can do with ProBot. This is a really fun project. I'm happy that this is happening, and I will make a ProBot in in the future. <laughs> Just have to carve out time. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to. I I finally see like like uh, Robert has been excited for quite some time, uh, and he definitely talks a lot about it. And uh, now I can I can definitely I have some insight as to why it's happening. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, thank you for for being here. And uh, we are the front side. We build UI that you can stake your future on. Um, We are specializing in JavaScript. Uh, We can build anything that you want to throw at us. We do functional programming, uh, React testing, uh, Vue, anything JavaScript we specialize in. Um, And as always, if you want to uh, suggest anything for us to have on the podcast or talk about, um, you can reach out to us at contact at frontside.io. And like I teased earlier in the podcast, next episode uh, is going to be all about microstates, the immutable and functional state container 
uh, model, composable model system that we've been building. It's been Charles's brainchild for the past two years. Um, that is next episode, and uh, I'm really excited about that. It's it's a really fun API and expressive to build um, models with. So thank you, Mandy, for producing our podcast, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.